Let's do this. The Cult of Hockey podcast by the faithful and for the faithful. I'm David Staples of the Edmonton Journal, and I'm here tonight with Bruce McCurdy. Hey, Bruce. Hey, David. How are you doing tonight? Well, I'm just write, writing my number down so I don't forget it later. A lot better. They needed that win, and they got it, Bruce. 4-2 victory mm-hmm. over... The L.A. Kings. The pesky L.A. Kings. Ah, oh, the crafty. I, I find them crafty. They're the Saruman of the NHL. They're very just crafty and kind of a little bit evil. And they figure out ways to um, sneak out. Cause they almost pain. snuck out a victory tonight, Bruce. They came very close, even though they, were, they really weren't in this game fundamentally. Their goalie kept them in this game. They were the, by far... This game wasn't as close as the first game. This game, the Oilers were really dominant. Mm-hmm. Um, the grade-A shots, Bruce, as uh, according to our totals. And where are they now? I'm just uh, digging away here for the that information. We're 16-6 to six for Edmonton. 16-6, wow. And the subset of five alarms were 7-4 to four, uh, for the Oilers. Five alarm shots go in 33-plus percent of the time. Grade-A shots... Five alarm or a subset of grade A. Grade A shots go in 25% plus, about 25%. And um, so this was 16 to 6 on grade A shots. This is, uh, you know, could. It's a blowout. This is not a close game, but the Kings made it. It was tied going into the third period, and we'll we'll get to that. This is, yeah, this is, uh, you have a comment? (laughs) No, no, it's a blowout, 16 to 6. I mean, Edmonton dominated this game. territorially and and uh scoring chance wise and la got a couple of uh, uh kind of slimy ones you know and, and it was uh, sure did made a game out of it and edmonton's weren't necessarily the world's prettiest either but uh edmonton deserved the goals and we'll tell you they deserved the win and they were the better team over the two games and they got one win which is the minimum they deserved yeah. All right, Bruce, we will go now to our two good things, two bad things, and two numbers. And because it was the biggest win of the year, which they will all be from here on in, you, that's every win is the biggest win, um, is two good things each. What is your good first good thing, Amundo? Yeah, it's, uh, it's uh, Leon Dreisaitl, who I thought came out of the gate Uh uh, like a man on a mission, I think uh, Arna Ryan Singh may even have referred to him at that as one point, but uh, that certainly he was very uh, involved in this game. Not a perfect game. He did take uh, two penalties, uh, uh, one kind of dumb one for slashing after he was quoted, or well, he actually said on camera about 15 minutes earlier that they need to be smarter and stay out of the box. He takes the first penalty for slashing. But he also scores a goal, assisting a goal in the first period as well to have the the old-style Gordie Howe hat-trick, goal, assist, and penalty uh, before the first intermission. And he was uh, a very physical um, force in this game with how many? Five hits uh, to lead the uh, co-lead the forwards on, on the Oilers. And yeah, he was laying the body on. He was He was battling for pucks. Even when he got beat, he got beat not for, I didn't see errors of omission, but he got, you know, just lost battle here and there, like on the one goal. 
but he created, in a way, he was involved in all four Oilers goals, right? He he, because um, uh, he won a battle along the boards on the game in winner. The neutral zone was on scored unassisted by Costin. But the reason Costin got the puck was because Leon kind of stripped it off the whoever the LA guy was who had it out there. He didn't have it anymore after uh, Drysaddle lifted his stick, and Costin went in and scored the winner. So no point on that one. But uh, uh, primary assists on the first and fourth goals, and the second he scored himself on the power play with his classic executioner's shot. Uh, but I just saw him as a you know very involved player in so many different ways in this game uh taking the you know he took 31 shifts very large number and he played uh, a lot with the fourth line didn't he like yes he was the main player that they put out there Mm -hmm. as far as i as i could see he didn't seem like mcdavid took as many shifts with that fourth line mcdavid played 10 more seconds than did uh yeah he did right side on the night and at even strength it was uh uh, actually, Leon, who was number one at even strength uh, at 19, and he did play shifts with the fourth line, and they those two guys each scored a goal with Drysaddle as their center. And the 11-7 that people have been discussing, it showed its uh, it showed Thanks. its strong side tonight with because uh, uh, you got you know you got two First decent third goals, yeah. Two decent fourth line wingers in uh, Ryan and uh, Costin, but all of a sudden you you drop a world class center in there like uh, uh, like Drysaddle or McDavid, and the Oilers have other options as well. And all of a sudden those guys are a little bit more dangerous. And in this case, both Ryan and Costin capitalized and and were able to score. You know, two of basically the three, well, the two of the two Edmonton five-on-five goals in this game, they both came from that fourth line that only has two players on it. And they were the two guys who scored at five-on-five. So yeah, hats off to, to uh, Jay Woodcroft and staff for uh, getting that part of this game figured out. Indeed. Leon Dreisaitl, uh, of course, a goal and two assists. And, and as you say, he won the battle that led to Costin's goal. He led the team with eight major contributions to grade A shots, and many of them were five alarm shots, Bruce. Mm-hmm. I mean, he set up Ekholm for what should have been, like that should have been a goal uh, right in the crease late in the second period. He set up, um, uh, was it Nugent Hopkins, I think, yeah, uh, for a tip so, shot. Kane one time. Yeah, right he, he was just, he was fantastic on the attack. He just, he both games. He really on, and this is such a great development because mm-hmm. I think he would we would have seen this Leon in last year's playoffs, and the Leon that we saw was pretty amazing, right? Playing on one leg, yeah, yeah. but it was more like you know Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, you yeah, know, stationary making post. passes in the high post and <laughs> flipping in sky hooks. That was Leon's <laughs> game last year, but this is just this is how he can play. It's how. He will continue to play for as long as he's in these playoffs. Excellent, too. And uh, what a fantastic attacking hockey player he is, Bruce. And and again, it was just if you could just never get enough of the executioner shot. And was that ever a nice play? Bouchard made a particularly good pass from the mm-hmm. top. He kind of um, faked one way a little bit and then put it back. 
And that, I think, opened the scene. That really helped open the scene because Bouchard had pulled himself so far over and then turned turned it back to McDavid, who then quickly fired it over. And Drysaddle was wide open, just absolutely wide open. The Kings forward was looking to cut off that cross-seam pass, mm-hmm. but he was on the he was on the wrong side of it. And it was happening so fast. This is yeah. why it works. Because no matter how good you are, you can get turned around and confused on the ice. And that's what the Oilers do with their speed. They just bewilder the build, you know, the other team. They bamboozle them. They bewitch them, and um, they score goals. Bruce, my good thing is claim the dream, Costin. And this is a game. This is we're starting to get. You know, we'll see how these orders do in the playoffs. And of course, I've been super bullish all along and making predictions. I'm just going to back off on that tonight and just start to to enjoy this ride for what it is, and it, mm. we'll we'll see where it goes at this point. But this is one of the moments like that's going to be remembered. A huge uh, goal early in the third period from from Costin, who spent the early part of the game just wrecking LA Kings with hellacious body check. And and he is just he's just such a force out he's there. A tank, eh? What a trade, Bruce. Mm. Let's 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 uh let's say it. I mean, people have been saying it all year, but what a trade. I mean, I we both like Dmitry Samarukov as a prospect. Dmitry Samarukov is a good hockey player and a good prospect. But he wasn't making the orders this year. And the orders needed a big, tough, aggressive forward with some skill, and they got it. They got this guy, and he's just come in here and he's got this wicked shot. And every now and then, it finds a way in. And it was weird. The The goal reminded me uh, of a goal um, more than uh, 30 years ago now, uh, 1991 playoffs against the Calgary Flames, where in a, in a big game, I, I, you'll remember, of course, probably the game and, and everything else, but I just remember the, the play. Esatikinen whips, absolutely snaps an outside shot uh, into the Calgary net. And this was the same kind of deal where, where the team just was desperate. The orders were desperate for a goal. They were desperate for a goal. They needed to win this game. And he just let fly from the outside with a wicked shot, which was all the better because Corpusalo really should have had it. Like NHL goal, they should stop that shot. And he didn't. And Corpusalo had been so great. So I hope that, you know, hurts his confidence a little bit. <laughs> he made a number like in the first 10 minutes of the second period it easily could have gone from two nothing to five nothing oh yeah and he yeah, made he, some some unreal stops in there yeah on at um that was one of the uh, i already talked about that that was that was then mm-hmm. dry settle okay they were, like with the grade a shots <laughs> at that point were uh, dry settle uh early in the second then a short time later uh bugstad Great chance. Uh, got a came really all the way shot. across to stop. Yeah, that. that was a bit of a momentum changer. The Kings start, you know, you, you make us like Corpusella makes a save like that on Bukestad, and you, you start to, you hate to see that kind of great save because I think it fires up the other team. And then McDavid came in, and yeah, um, two on one, yeah, and and got a really nice shot. And then the Ekholm shot came, so they had four shots that were really strong. First five minutes of the second. Yeah. And then things went in a lull, and then bad things happened. What's your second good thing, Bruce? Yeah, uh, yeah, uh, I kind of already named it actually with the uh, uh, with the Seven Eleven. Uh, so I'll just go back to that. I just kind of got ahead of myself. But the the uh, 
the strategy with the injury to to Janmark uh, was um, do you replace him with Devin Shore? Do you replace him with the seventh defenseman Broberg? And I've had a little bit of discussion online with people today uh, saying Broberg's not ready. I don't want to be taking ice time away from Vinny. You know, and I'm thinking, well, 11-7, in a way, it's like 11-6. You can go with the 12th forward and give him a short bench, or you can go with the 7th defenseman and short bench him a lot more easily. And the secret sauce to the 11-man forward unit is the hole in the middle of one of the lines where mm-hmm. instead of the 12th man, there's this, there's this joker, you know, wild card where they can turn it over and say, well, this time I want it to be Leon. Next time, oh, let's make it Connor this time. And that poor other team in their fourth line. And, you know, they got their hands full with, with Costin running around in beast mode. And then, you know, they got Leon out there involved. Well, as mentioned earlier. Also in Oza beast mode. In beast mode and, and involved in two goals that that line scored. And uh, they were, you know, they were absolutely enormous. And to me, uh, you know, the strategy, the actual sort of um, uh, format of 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 lopsiding the lineup like that, you know, having an odd number of forwards and defensemen, and just changing how many options you can use. And the Oilers, one thing I've noticed is that if they lose the game at 12-6, they often do go to 11-7, and they almost always win that game, the next game. And um, well, they only did it because Janmark was hurt. Like, I don't yeah, think, I don't think they would have changed no. if Janmark had been healthy. But because he was, you know, it opened up that uh, it opened up that uh, uh, that range of possibilities where where your four uh, C is sort of could be anybody at any given moment. Good luck trying to prepare for it. And, <laughs> So they uh, that uh, uh, hats off to uh, Woodcroft and especially to those two wingers and to uh, Drysaddle as well for uh, his big contributions. He was the man tonight with them. Other games, it's been McDavid, of course. Or, uh, Is Tampa still going eleven seven? Are they? Uh, I know they, they I think did it they, in one playoff cup. Yeah, I think one cup sure. they did it basically the whole way where they ran with the with the four right D men, the three. The three uh, uh, right de- veteran right D men that were cheap because they'd either been bought out or the contracts expired, and that was like it was Luke Shen, it was uh, Kevin Shattenkirk, and it was uh, uh, what the heck's the guy's name? Uh, it was Bogosian? a Winnipeg draft pick. Yeah, yeah. Zach yeah. Bogosian. Bogosian, yeah. And they were all like high draft pick guys that had been. You know, on the way down, and Tampa got them all for cheap. And this, between the three of them, they played sort of ice time for two. And you know, Chernick played the rest of the right D ice time, and uh, and they were set. And it was a good strategy for them. But it's you know how how you make it work for you is. Uh, but I do, I'm fascinated with the different possibilities and things you can do with the 11-7 uh, that. Uh, you know, the twelve six is basically a roll your line scenario until you make until you start shortening the bench and stuff. But the eleven seven is even as you roll the lines, you're you're forced into doing different stuff, and then the other team is forced into coping with that different stuff. Yeah, it's it does 
present a little chaos to the opposition. And I think that's a really good thing. They, they want to, everyone wants it predictable, right? Like, you know, what's going to happen. You can match up, you can have Drew Doughty out there and Mikey Anderson and your, and whoever is their second pairing and, and get those guys. Uh, but it just throws off those matchups uh, quite effectively. I don't know who the defensemen were on the ice when the Oilers scored those goals, but um Alex Edler only played 10 minutes, eh? 10 minutes and 13 seconds. He's slowing down. Bruce, I, I, Edler, my, um, Edler was on for the first goal, as was Dursey. And that was the one where Leon won the puck in his own zone, roared up ice. His yeah. shot was deflected wide, but Ryan picked it, rebound off the end boards and pumped it in. Yeah. And it was uh, that was uh, Edler, I think, that got the piece of the shot. Uh, mm-hmm. And he was unlucky, let's face it, on that one. Yeah, yeah he played, and uh, let's see, who's their other third defenseman? Edler, and uh, uh, it's kind of hard to tell you all. The rest of them all played a fairly big. Sean Dursey was minus three. Bruce, I, I, I have a nice. hard time picking my second uh, good thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I was going to go with Brett Kulak. He didn't do a lot, but, man, I just noticed the number of times he was super cool with the puck. Mm-hmm. He was, as Gene Principe might say, Kulak. Mm-hmm. Is that enough of a pun? Um, and well, then I was thinking, you say it right. And I was <laughs> thinking, uh, I was thinking that um, Derek Ryan might be a good pick too. Like he, I think he is the gray beard on the team. He yep. seems like he's like new. He's one of those old. guys who looks like he's about fifteen, mm-hmm. but he's. Uh, he is the great beard, and he scored that that really nice goal. And he is such a, a smart hockey player. When he's on the ice, I feel really confident defensively that things probably aren't going to go that bad because he's always filling in the cracks. And mm-hmm. uh, you know, with other players or thinking offense a little too much, he's not. I I I think he's a fine hockey player, but I think I'm going to go with something that that uh, is actually kind of obvious, and this is the Oilers' play in the third period. Once they got that lead, Bruce, they only allowed one grade A shot. And it was and it was kind of, it was a, Kemp, the puck came out to Kempe in the slot, I think it was, and he got off a shot, which wasn't the hardest grade A shot, but it's Kempe shooting, so it's always scary. But that was the only grade A shot that the Kings got on net in that entire third period, according to our count. And the Oilers, um, after Kempe's shot, um, after Costin's goal, the Oilers got uh, three grade A shots by Kane, Nugent Hopkins, and Hyman, and then uh, finally Kane's empty net goal. So Edmonton was really dominant and solid, and, and those those were minutes were really tense and hard to watch, and but yeah. not a lot bad happened. There wasn't a lot of bad happening out there, and there was a really there was a there was one shift where they really were putting the boots to Harney was out there, but it was good to Harney was out there because he twice. He he stopped to it. Thumped, he busted the cycle. They just couldn't get it out. But that was great to see, and it was great to have him out there. So um, uh, that's that was a really good thing. Even though they had given up the lead in the second period, in the third period they did not, and they played solid defensive hockey um, and uh, thumped the Kings uh, in the third. Yeah, they were the. To me, the better team in all three periods, although each period was 2 nothing, and all six goals were scored at one end of the ice. 
But that was, you know, the Kings, there's no way there was a better team in the second. But when they sleezed in those two goals late, I was really starting to think, what's going on here? Is this going to be one of those series? But uh, It can happen, right? It's hockey. Oh, yeah. Jesus, I watched the Winnipeg series two years ago, David. Yeah. I, I still can't believe that was a sweep. That was a tough one, Bruce. What is your bad thing, Bruce? Uh, okay, well, I'm going to microanalyze Stu Skinner on the two goals against. And I'm going to get, like, let you worry about everything else that happened before if you want to make them or one of them your bad thing. I just didn't like Skinner's um, technique of sealing the net, which he failed to do on both goals, which is why the goals went in. And the first was uh, the guy that went right across the face of goal, uh, and that was uh, Philip Deneau, uh, who had another uh, a sneaky good game tonight. That guy's a heck of a player, Philip Deneau. And this was a good play, and he went across this, the face of the net, and he got one shot, and then he got the puck back, and it seemed like forever for him to shoot. And Skinner was down. He had his pad across the... Uh, sealing the ice, he had his glove on top of his pad, but he didn't have it pushed out at all to cut the angle down towards the puck like he could have. He could have moved his arm forward. And he wound up, he kind of rested his glove on his pad, and then there was this little hole like this big that uh, was between the corner of his glove and the top of his pad. And guess where Dano slips his shot? just over the pad, just through that little tiny puck-sized hole and into the net. And to me, that's a, that's a technical error, and the goalie coaches in the audience can can fill me in if you care to, because I'm always willing to learn. Uh, but to me, his arm should have been forward in front of the pad and formed a more solid wall there rather than just kind of making the wall taller but with a chink in the armor to actually get the glove forward and cutting down the angle on the puck you think he should have tried to stab for the rebound to smother it uh no i just think he when he was sealing the net i think he 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 had he was missing a brick and that's where the puck went he just didn't seal it and you know his, his glove just wasn't wasn't uh it just didn't make the good seal and then on the second goal, which was Bellardi's goal, where to me it was a great A chance because he was right in on goal. He deked and he banked it in off his skate before Skinner could call it. But Skinner actually, uh, he didn't seal the post on that one. He got his skate back to sort of one puck width in front of the post. And guess where the puck goes? Off his skate and in, dribbles in. Because there's a, enough space there for the puck to, to fit. And it needed to bounce to go in, but if he's got a skate right up against the post, that doesn't go in. And again, maybe there's a technical reason that, you know, he just ran out of slide and he didn't quite get there, whatever it was. But it was two out of two goals scored from like one foot in front of the net and both times because the goalie wasn't able to seal. Uh, and to me, that's, uh, 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 it's, to me, it's a fundamental error to be frank. And, uh, uh, he was in the right place, but he wasn't in the right position. You know, I didn't love the first goal against, but he did stop the first break-in chance. I mean, point-blank sure, yeah. chance, and then the rebound he doesn't get to. And I, he he sometimes can seem a little stiff on those plays, mm-hmm. like he's a bit of a statue as opposed to moving 
mm-hmm. uh, more emphatically. But I, and I just wonder, is that is that the style? Like you're supposed to, you know, because like, he's, he's following some kind of goaltending tenet that I don't know, which is entirely possible. Um, the second goal burst, I didn't like that. I just thought at, at that point, the shot's a grade B shot. Like he's, he's, Velarde's worked his way behind the net and he's last gasp a tap. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's like a, it's like a wrap, wrap around attempt at that point, And he just doesn't get his skate there. He just blows it. So that's a mis- clear mistake by the goalie and on a grade, B, like, you know, if, if this is a breakaway shot, then, and he beats Skinner, then then it's well, not it a was. then it's not a major error. So by the time he takes the shot, to me, I don't think he's yeah he's trying to score, but he shouldn't because the goalie should stop that, and because the goalie should stop it, that makes it's because it's a grade B shot. It's because it's coming from behind the net, and it's a desperation chance. So anyway, that's I didn't Lots like goals scored from behind the goal line these days, and shooters and we, snipers like Velarde use that space to deliberately try and uh, bank it in. McDavid scored several goals like that, and I don't think we scored them grade B shot. I think this is giving too much credit to Velarde. And you just he just got lucky and Skinner made a bad play. He should have he should have stopped that. McDavid puts them off the back of their heads on purpose. Yeah. I just Velarde just jammed it there and he got lucky. Well Jimmy yeah. Fox, the King's color guy, uh yeah. He was on today on one of the radio programs, and uh, I think maybe Stoffers orders now along. With yeah, he was. was after you. Yeah. Now that I think about it, and he was um, uh, he was saying that uh, Velarde and Fiala, the two Kings who missed Game One, are the Kings' two best one-on-one players, hmm. and that uh, and that Velarde would be back tonight, and he thought he would make a difference, which he did. And I mean, he's got, he's very slick with the puck. And anyway, he fooled Skinner there. But if Skinner jams the skate to the post, nothing bad happens, but it didn't quite work out that way. So yeah, Skinner I'm, made some good saves. I'm not saying he had a crappy game. I'm just saying there was, to me, he didn't seal the net on both LA goals. And when he's really on top of his game, sealing the ice and the post are things that Stu Skinner does exceptionally well. I gave him a six in mm-hmm. this game, I, I just That's some fair. some people will be mad about that, but um, that I didn't give him a high enough anything. mark. Yeah, <laughs> That's true, Bruce. You can't worry about that, can you? Just some like, people will say you like, gave him too high of a mark, David. There's no winning yeah, sometimes. Yeah, that's true. I thought it was fair because I didn't. I think mm-hmm. you don't. He, he didn't get a lot of tough he, shots. He let in, he let in a bad goal. The w. Yeah, you know. Yeah, made a couple uh, good saves down the stretch in the third. You know, he's not even necessarily great A's, but you know, tricky shots through, you know, traffic and stuff. Anyway, that's enough said about what he did wrong. He did lots right. He did. He did lots right. I liked his puck handling mostly too. I think I only gave one player a failing grade. Hmm. Connor Yamamoto. Yeah. Yeah, he didn't do Is he much. A bad thing. No. He just he just didn't do much. He didn't do anything bad necessarily though. So, but I just thought you got to do more. You got to make it. A... My bad thing is the Kings comeback as well, and it's and it's two plays on them that I didn't like. Um, I didn't like Leon's play. Um, I think he was thinking too much offense. He's going. He's going. He's entering a puck battle. And it's not that he loses the puck battle necessarily. It's that when he loses it, he f- he's flying by. He's way up the ice, way out of position then. You're up 2 nothing again. You're up 2 nothing. It's even strength. Second period's winding down. 
Just stay in the slot. Stop on the puck. Stop in your battles. And don't be worrying about charging up the ice with the puck. And both he and Kevin Biaxa pointed this out between periods, both Dreisaitl and uh, Kane were had were flying up the ice. Mm-hmm. Leon after losing the battle. And then there's a two-on-one down low. And Ekholm uh, goes, he, Biaxa criticized Ekholm for leaving the front of the net, going into the corner when it was a two-on-one down low. It, it was a very fast developing play. I'm not sure if we, we did blame Bouchard. I'm not sure actually he had time to do anything on it. But um, yeah, Leon lost the battle. It's not just, but he lost the battle because he skated through the battle. Sometimes skate through the man instead of going for the puck in that position in your own zone with a lead like that. Take the man. Don't worry about the puck. So uh, the second one that I, you, why don't you go ahead? Because you wanted to, if you wanted to defend. Yeah, well, I didn't think he made that bad of a play there. He was busting his butt coming back. And what he tried to do that didn't quite work was, I mean, the, the pass where the puck was, was well behind, beyond him. And he had to like reach just to get a hold of it. He tried to reach, flip it by the guy and, and spin behind him, which is similar to moves he made in the first period. Like I think three different times he took a pass that was way, way offline that he was able to control and turn up ice. And one of them turned into a goal. Um, but anyway, on this play, he tried that and whoever the guy was that was on him just saw it off and got a piece of the puck and LA was able to keep it alive. Like to me, yes, he made him, we charge him with a, with yeah. an error on it, but I don't single that out as being a terrible play. It was just, he got beat. He, uh, this is his style of play, right? Like, mm-hmm. and, and it often, like you say, it often works out and it works out fabulously. Mm-hmm. And he is a, he is a, he is a, a great attacking hockey player. I, I'm nervous when he's on the ice in his own zone because there's, you know, you just don't, we're not going to get, you know, um, Scott, uh, Nick Bugstad or Derek Ryan, just straight ahead fundamental defense. We're going to get Leon in all phases of the ice. And he is, a, he is a spectacular hockey player, spectacularly brilliant, but he can make some spectacular errors as well. Is how Sometimes, I, would put yeah. it. I didn't see this one as that, but fair enough. Uh, I did, but you know, maybe I mean, maybe I'm, maybe I'm a little bit hard on him uh, for this very reason that, I'm, that I've uh, pointed out. I'm looking for it. It's possible. <laughs> Bruce Deharnay's play, of course, is the other one, and you know, he just, it's just, he just got caught, as defensemen will do, by pesky aggressive forwards on the back check, and they strip the puck off Deharnay. And they go in and they score. And uh, Deharney, he hasn't had that many bad moments like that um, in the 30-some games he's been in the NHL. But that was (laughs) certainly one of them. (laughs) That was not good. Um, That was very bad. And the orders, he paid the price with a goal against there. So... um, I'm glad he seems to be able to shake it off and just keep going. He's a good hockey player. He really adds a lot. He adds an element to the team that they badly need, but on that play, he was not. He got caught. Yeah. Yeah, and he was, I mean, you've got Connor, Leon, and Kane all out there together on that play. And you have Vincent DeHarnay uh, 
picking up the puck behind his net on the left side, circling out behind the net, skating it up through the defensive zone, and then uh, as he finally gets to passing it, uh, he holds it for a split second, and the guy back-checking hard you know, gets a piece of the pass, and it comes right back, and then he's beaten, only Ekholm's back, and it's trouble. But I'm just wondering, that puck needs to be funneled up the boards quickly when he comes around the net you know it shouldn't yeah. be any kind of a race as soon as he comes around the net just dump it up near one of those guys they're going to get it and they're going to make a play with it you know yeah you know if i've got connor do respect it, vincent deharney who i love as a player but if i got him on the ice and connor mcdavid on the ice and leon Drysaddle on the ice i can think two of the three guys that i prefer to have carrying the puck <laughs> and neither of them is named vincent Bruce, what is your number? Yeah, my number is, uh, what is it now? Uh, seven minutes and 44 seconds as one number. 53 seconds is another number. And one nothing is the third number. 744 is the amount of power play time that LA had in this game, which included four minors, uh, two of which were overlapping in a 16 second five on three. So they played 16 seconds shy of eight full full minutes, but two, uh, 16 of those seconds had a two-man advantage. And they didn't score. In fact, they only had three shots on net in that entire time. And uh, meanwhile, Edmonton was the one that had 53 seconds. 53 whole seconds our power play got tonight, David. That's good. And uh, the new rule seems to be, well, we'll give Edmonton power plays until they score, and then the whistles go away for the rest of the night. Because once again, Edmonton got nothing after the first period. And adding those numbers together for the two games, we have 16 minutes and 6 seconds for the Kings on the power play, 3 minutes and 20 seconds for Edmonton, and we haven't even got to California yet. New rules, yeah, new rules. <laughs> I saw that. someone made a joke. We've got like <laughs> it was some joke like we've got to invent some new rules here. Mm -hmm. Prevent the orders from winning. Sixteen uh, minutes to three. That seems fair. <clears throat> I mean, I I do think orders should probably have deserved the majority of penalties on on balance, but uh, ten power plays to four seems a bit much. When they right. did get one, they made them pay. That was a great power play, and they scored. They got the same number of shots, three, in their 53 seconds that L.A. got in their seven minutes and 44 seconds, and Edmonton got the goal that L.A. Uh -huh. couldn't get in a one-goal win. I mean, this was, a, this was a big win for special teams tonight. That was a beautiful goal, that's <laughs> for sure. All right, uh, Bruce, my numbers are uh, nine, Six and ten. Matthias Ekholm, nine hits. Nice. And there was one crunching one on Arvidsson that I recall off the top of my head. He's a big physical player. Former teammates. He's, he's been a little less in the playoffs, a little less uh, obvious than he was in the regular season. Mm -hmm. But he's playing really solid hockey. He and Bouchard played very well together tonight. And I uh, gave them both sevens for good games for both those guys. Six was the number of block shots from Darnell Nurse, who I think I also gave a seven. Was tempted to give him an eight. 
He played more than 26 minutes for the team. He was fan- he, he was fantastic. Few mistakes on defense, but um, he's just really playing aggressive, dynamic hockey out there and generally getting the job done. Ten is the face-off wins of Nick Bugstad. Ten out of 13 face-offs he won. Um, it's the kind of thing you don't notice as the game's going along, but it's really those are those are important battles, and um, he's an important player on the orders. He's a, he's a solid penalty killer and a, and a mm-hmm. solid even strength hockey player, uh, who almost scored a, a big goal tonight, robbed by Corpusalo. Well, when so, they were three on five, it was uh, Bugstad that they put out there. Face off was on the on the right dot, uh, and you'll see that for the whole series, you know, that uh, uh, on the power play, the first face-off is always the choice of the power play team. That's why every single face-off Edmonton's taken all season to start a power play. It's been on the left dot. It's either being on your corner, but it's always one of the lefties that's taken the draw, right? Mm-hmm. And so having that right shot pivot is a big thing. And they had, you know, Derek Ryan as, you know, a small, a small, not so strong guy, and then they got Big Bukestad. So they had that 16 seconds, and I'm thinking, geez, you know, they win the draw here, circle around, pound it in like they did in the overtime the other night, and they still got a power play, and all of a sudden it's 2-2, and we're trying to kill a penalty to get out of the period, tied. And Bukestad uh, made a strong play on the faceoff. I, I'm not sure they credit him with the win, but what I can tell you he didn't do is lose it. He was able to saw that thing off, and it wasn't one of those things where it was, you know, whip it back to the point, tic-tac-toe in the net. It was like, no, struggle, struggle, struggle to get it off the draw. And by that time, the other Edmonton players, all two of them, are at least in position that they want to be, that they're going to force them to work it around a bit. And by the time they've worked it around a bit, here comes the uh, uh, dry sidle out of the penalty box. And uh, uh, it's now a five-on-four. So this was after a... The penalty Vander Kane took tonight. Oh man, puck's like twenty feet in the air, and he hacks at it with his stick and punches it right over the glass. <sighs> that was not the best play. Oh. Already down a man, hanging on to a two-one lead. <sighs> he was out there. I don't know why he was on the ice. When, like when they when they were at the end of the game, they put Kane out there. I mean, they like putting those offensive hockey players out there. I cringe. He, he did scored. score. He scored. <laughs> He scored. I just think those guys, like, they're all, they just have the instincts of offensive hockey players. And, mm. uh, and uh, they scored, though. So all's yep. well that ends well. We'll, we'll criticize I, I that move on the night that it fails. I won't complain tonight. Well, I guess you give him credit. I guess it yeah. worked tonight. Yeah. I, here I am wrong, proven wrong. Yeah. So there you Thanks. go. I find that out there, there's there's some some folks that, if they don't like a player's approach to doing something, like let's say he does something, he has a 40-60 play and he tries it a hundred times. And there's some people that will hate the play all hundred times because they think it's a bad decision all hundred times. And there's other people, and I'm actually in this category, that hate the play the 60% of the time it doesn't work. But I'm prepared to give, you know, grace for the 40% of the time that it doesn't work. Right. It may be a bad decision, but if you make the play, you know, more power to you. So I'm in the kind of the 80 20 camp. Uh huh. <laughs> if they make it, if they make it 80% of the time, mm-hmm. 100% of the time, I'll be okay with them trying it. Right. Okay. <laughs> but if they don't, if they make it less than that, then 100% of the time I'm thinking, mm. and if they don't make it, I get upset. All right, Bruce. Uh, the next game is Friday night. 
No, sorry. Uh, what night is this? Uh, yeah, uh, yeah, Wednesday. this is only Wednesday. I'm, yeah. I'm totally confused now. Uh, Friday in Los Angeles. And uh, here we go. We got the full California treatment now. Yeah. Good Friday luck. and Sunday. And realistically, they have to win one of those two games. Uh, ideally, they just go out there and win both. Know, make the statement and win the game and then win the next game, you know, one at a time. But let's get the job done. I do think they're the better team through two games, and the scoreboard doesn't really agree, you know, one-to-one. -one, but uh, uh, by statistics, Edmonton's been the better team, and they've been ahead the whole time. L.A. has not had a single lead in the series yet. So well, it'll be interesting. Yeah, it'll score be interesting effects to see. are driving, should be driving their stats up, and still Edmonton's got the advantage. Yeah. We'll see what happens if the Kings do get a lead. It could be tough for the Oilers, so we'll see what happens then. Mm -hmm. Anyway, I yeah, I'm have been bullish on the Oilers all year. I'm not going to change now, but you never know what's going to happen in the playoffs. You really don't. And no. this is what's been driven home to me again. As as optimistic as I am, you're playing a cagey team, a good team, a smart team with a good goalie. It, things can go bad. So this is this is the reality. Bounce here and a bounce there, like game one. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, and it doesn't. When the difference is narrow, that's, you know, yeah. even, the, even the, you know, the bad teams win like 40% of their games, right? Indeed. So. Bruce, let's leave it there. Thank you for talking tonight. All right. Thanks for listening, everyone. And in the meantime, and in between times, this has been another edition of the Cult of Hockey podcast.